Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, I ask you to please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and our YouTube channel, where you can access all our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in the faith journey. Enjoy. We have been looking at Bible moments up close. Bible moments that uh, made historical marks on God's people. Uh, Even unbelievers, if we refer to some of these uh, that we've looked at and will look at, would know what we're talking about because of the influence the Word of God has had on Western civilization. Um, Some could look at them as just legends or myths, but... For the people of God, the, the confession is, is that the people of the past believed these things really happened. And what we're hoping for in this series that, is that you and I will be uh, newly gripped with the truths that we are looking at and our up close and personal experience with the Lord would continue as Brooke uh, prayed earlier that it would go deeper and deeper. Not just on Sunday, not just in moments of experience, but in the day-to-day life that we walk with God. Um, These encounters that we're looking at, they're not templates, meaning uh, what you see and what happens and what we're going to look at today is not a a promise that God's going to do this uh, uh, in your life this week or next week. But the one today is going to happen again in a bigger dimension someday, and everyone will see it. Um, In all of these messages, what we're asking God to continue to burn in all of our hearts is the conviction in each one of our lives that he is still on a mission. And he is still calling missionaries, not to go overseas, but to see the cross and to be on mission, each one of us sent by the Lord. That we have a brand new revelation that the Lord that we're singing about, that we're talking about, is truly king over all the gods of this world. And he's serious about that. He's serious about his people being his people. He's serious about his people being detached from the world in a radical degree, but also influencing the world at a radical degree. He's serious about us being his and his alone, that we shine a witness that points to his glory, his goodness, his holiness, his judgments, and his saving power. Are you thankful for his saving power? I don't know about you, but I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. You? And so far, we've looked at the Garden of Eden and God's face-to-face revelation to Adam and Eve. And then we spent time at Abraham's tent meeting with the Lord. And then last week, we began uh, looking into this walk that God had with Moses And we looked from the burning bush to the mountain of God where the Lord came down and he said to Moses, I have heard, 
I have seen the oppression of my people and I've come down to rescue them and to lift them up and place them in a land that flows with milk and honey. God still sees, God still hears, and God is still in a new way coming down. He's here. And you know, in the future when God comes down, he's not going back up. Do you know that we're not going after, when we die, we'll, we go to heaven. But when this whole thing is over, we're not going away. God's coming here. And there's other things that we maybe have wrong too. But that's the truth. He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And the new Jerusalem is coming down from God. And the earth will be the Lord's in its amazingly new created way. Awesome. But God says, I'm coming down, Moses, and I'm sending you. So then, from that moment to where we're going today, some other things take place. I call it Yahweh's rescue, where he releases 10 plagues, and they are specifically designed to, to attack the gods, small g, of Egypt. All of these plagues, the 10 plagues, it'd be good to read them about them again. I, I did this past week and it shook me up again. The 10 plagues represent the, the gods that the Egyptians worshiped. And God sends plagues, 10 of them. He didn't want to send any, by the way. If Pharaoh would have immediately let God's people go, he would have blessed Pharaoh for doing that. But he didn't do that. And so God had to shake his people free from the stubborn will of Pharaoh. And, 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 and the most intense plague was the death of the firstborn. This firstborn idea, blood for blood, the reason why God could do such a thing is because God would owe no man. God would let his firstborn, the firstborn of all creation, die for the sins of Pharaoh, the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, all the Ites, all the Romans, the Babylonians, the Sumerians, the Assyrians, the Egyptians, the Americans. His firstborn would die for all. And so God is saying firstborn for firstborn. I'm giving you the opportunity again. You can flee in the, in the lamb's blood and be protected or firstborn for firstborn. Because God is merciful and just, but he's also the judge of the earth. The holiness of God and the justice of God requires a blood sacrifice of a spotless lamb in order to be saved from the judgment of God, but not only to be saved from, but to be delivered into something better. Because the blood of the lamb not only covers us and delivers us from sin, but brings us into the promises that God wants for everybody. But it's a just requirement because we can't pay for our own sin. But God gives everybody a chance, and he did. He did for Pharaoh. He did for the Egyptians. He did for Israel. Everyone gets a chance. And then we see, in the, we, after the Passover, then God parts the Red Sea and opens up a brand new world for Israel, and we find them three months after the Red Sea breakthrough on this mountain where we're going to look today. We're on this mountain now.
and the Lord is going to have a close encounter of the God kind. And it's one of the greatest wow moments in the Old Testament scriptures. On this mountain, the Lord had told Moses previously that where, where, at, at the burning bush, this will be the sign that I have sent you to Pharaoh. When you and the people come out, you will worship God on this mountain. And that's where they are. I summarize it in the slides this way. What God is about to do is to give them a revelation of Yahweh. His power is going to be revealed. His holiness, his sheer awesomeness is going to be revealed in contrast to Moses, in contrast to man's condition. But it's also going to be a purposeful preparation of a nation. Israel is truly, was truly, the one nation under God. Because after Adam and Eve fell, God chose them again. God, after the fall, chose Adam and Eve. God chose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he promised to bring them into a land and fulfill the promise he made to Abraham. Through your own body, a descendant will come. A descendant will come who will bless all the nations of the world. So this is the beginning of that preparation. But what we're going to see here today is very important you get this part. This is a parenthesis. This is a parenthesis within the bigger picture. The bigger picture that God gives to Abraham, there is now going to be a parenthesis. Not a change, but a parenthesis, because God's going to do something new. And I brought this to illustrate what I mean by this. Sister Bruce, who was one of my favorite professors in college, always talked about the funnel effect to understand the plan of God from Genesis to Revelation. And she would say it like this. Uh, after the flood and, and the nations of the earth are on the, are on the earth, here's what we already know from Paul in Romans 1. All they, although they all knew God, all the nations are at the wide gap of the funnel. Although they all knew God, they did not glorify him as God, right? Or give thanks to him. Although God had revealed his character, his power through all of creation, the oral traditions that have been spoken from the Garden of Eden all the way through the sons of Adam and Eve, all those people knew about what happened. The flood came, even other, even other parts of the world, even other religions talk about the flood. Not in the same degree of, of accuracy that the law of Moses describes it, but they all knew. The funnel was wide, all the nations. You get to Genesis chapter 11, and the nations say, let us build a tower into heaven ourselves. Let us make a name for ourselves. Let us stay united together. And God comes down and, and, and creates uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the mixture of languages so they can't understand, to, to dispel them. Because the last thing you wanted is a united, sinful community. I, I, one of the theologians of the past used to say that mankind, if you take all his idols away, will make new ones because mankind in his soul is an idol factory. An idol-making factory. So God dispels them and then the funnel narrows and he picks Abraham and his sons and that's where we are we are in the narrowing of the funnel God is going to pick one nation one man and one nation and he is going to prepare them this is a parenthesis of the bigger picture 
because in this parenthesis, God is going to teach Israel. He's going to select them, use them. He's going to speak promises to them. And then what, they're going to fail the mission. And it's going to narrow all the way down. As Isaiah said, Isaiah didn't drop, Isaiah didn't drop his funnel. We'll, we'll cut that out. But anyway, I, pr I practiced it at home and it, and it worked. But anyway. Israel will fail this mission and the stump all the way down to the stump will come out of the tribe of Jesse and God will flip it. The son of Abraham will carry the law, carry the sin on himself out of 12 disciples, 120 and be sent to all the nations again. So God's spirit as a funnel can be poured out on all flesh. We are in the parenthesis part. We're going to see this massive revelation of God that's going to make it made them shudder in their boots. But this is not the only picture of God. And one of the reasons why they missed the one was because the imagery was so stamped of God on Mount Sinai that it was difficult for them to see that God would create a new covenant Forget the former. You know, we use that verse for everything under the sun. God's going to new thing, do a new thing. And I mean, we're going to get a new dress, a new house. A new, the, it, the, real, the real context is, I'm going to do a new thing. Not your new thing. My new thing. Nations. So the one nation under God is not a national nation. The one nation other, under God in the funnel of the blood of Jesus in the spirit means that God has a priority of passion and love for the Iranian believer in Christ to a higher degree than he cares about the American project. The reason Israel couldn't see it was because they thought they were this. They thought they were the whole funnel. And there is a, a plan for Israel in that funnel. And it will be fulfilled in days to come. But I want you to notice that. So let's get into it. Moses went up to the mountain of God and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles wings and brought you to me. So far, there isn't, a, there isn't a manifestation of the imagery we're going to see. There's just a voice. And in this voice, Moses is reminded by Yahweh of his power and his great compassion. And he describes what he's done for them in the imagery of a mother eagle carrying on her wings her babies to get them out of danger and fly them away from danger and land them somewhere else. I carried you on eagle's wings to get you out and bring you in. And then he shares his purpose in the next verses. Now, if you listen to me and carefully keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples. Although the whole funnel is mine, the whole earth is mine. He's got a plan for the whole, all the nations. But you'll be... My, my priests, my kingdom, 
God's intention was that they would witness to the nations about the glory of God and not mingle with the nations, but be set apart and different and be a witness to the wonders of Yahweh. But they fail at this. The kingdom of the priesthood through Christ becomes those in the blood. Right? Kingdom of priests. Peter talks about that. A new nation. Peter talks about that. But we are here. And here's the offer and the opportunity. If you listen to me, you'll be my kingdom of priests. And these are the words that you're to say to the Israelites. The Jewish people from ancient times were the people who claimed that almighty God, the creator of the heavens and earth, appeared to them, rescued them, called them to himself and gave them a living word. The work that God did through the nation of Israel was so impactful and so influential that at the founding of this nation, one of our founders and many others, but one particularly, John Adams said this, I will insist the Hebrews have contributed more to civilized men than any other nation. If I was an atheist and believed in blind eternal fate, I should still believe that fate has ordained the Jews to be the most essential instrument for civilizing the nations. They are the most glorious nation that ever inhabited the earth. The Romans and their empire were but a bubble in comparison to the Jews. Mark Twain even goes into deeper detail. This is amazing. Mark Twain said, if statistics are right, the Jews constitute but 1% of the whole human race. It suggests a nebulous dim puff of stardust lost in the blaze of the Milky Way. Mark Twain, man. Properly, the Jew ought hardly to be heard of, but he is heard of, has always been heard of. He is as prominent on this planet as any people, and his commercial importance is extravagant. His contributions to the world's list of great names in literature, science, art, music, finance, medicine, learning, are also a way out of proportion to the weakness of numbers. He has made a marvelous fight in this world in every age and has done it with his hands tied behind his back. He could be vain of himself and be excused for it. The Egyptian, the Babylonian, the Persian rose, filled the planet with sound and splendor, then faded to dream stuff and passed away. The Greek and the Roman followed and made a vast noise and they're gone. Other people have sprung up and held their torch for a time, but it burned out. And the Jewish people saw them all, beat them all, and is now what he always was, exhibiting no decadence, no infirmities of age, no weakening of his parts. All things are mortal but the Jew. All other forces pass, but he remains. And listen to this question at the end by Twain. What is the secret of his immortality? I'll answer you, old friend Mark Twain. They are an oracle people. They are a people of God. Although their hands might have been tied behind their back, it wasn't their hands that helped them to become, to live, to endure, to exist and remain. It was the hand of God himself. Right. Their survival points to God's hand. And they have given us the sure word of the Holy Scriptures from which the gospel of Jesus Christ come. And God has a plan for them still in the coming of the Son of Man. Praise God forever and ever. And this is the beginning. 
And the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear when I speak with you and will always believe you. God says, I'm going to come in such power, it's going to set you up for success. I'm going to manifest myself and speak directly to you like I speak to nobody else and everybody's going to get it that I have something special with you. I'm going to tee up the ball so you can lead well through this experience I'm going to bring. And then he says, he tells them, he tells Moses to tell the people for three days to consecrate themselves, to prepare themselves. And on the third day, isn't that interesting? On the third day, anybody get that? On the third day, I will come down. On the third day. And, he, and Moses goes and reports the words to the people. And the people say, okay, we'll do everything God says. But God goes on to say this. On the third day, when morning came, there was thunder and lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain, and a loud trumpet sound so that all the people in the camp <coughs> shuddered. Picture it. Try to use your imagination. Have you ever just seen massive thunder, thunderstorms approaching where you were? As I said before, driving through the Midwest, I saw this, this scary man, uh, Midwestern thunderstorm thing coming up out of, and I mean, it was like, and it was all the way across the plain. There was nowhere where you could go. You know what? I think I'm going to go this way. It was like you were going into it. And it was massive. It was massive. Imagine that. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. As I was writing this, I was trying to think of anything in my life that I've ever experienced that was like a, a massive, uh, uh, unforgettable moment of power. And I could only think of one thing. I came home with my, my roommate and my buddy till today, even today, Clay Manus, who uh, we went to Southeastern together. We went to, we went to his home uh, near the Outer Banks in Elizabeth City, North Carolina to spend the, the, the Thanksgiving uh, weekend. And uh, Elizabeth City is near a Coast Guard naval base. Uh, and uh, they have, uh, and, and we went over there and Clay was, uh, knew some people from their church that were, that were, uh, that, that served in, in, the, in, the, in the Coast Guard. And, 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 and we found out that there was going to be a flyby of F-14 Tomcat fighter jets that afternoon. And we were able to get on grounds and get in this uh, observation uh, tower that was not inside a building, it was outside. And we were standing on this tower at the time waiting for these F-14s to come flying by. And we're, we're there on that tower. Now, I, you know, uh, the Tom Cruise, uh, you know, the, the, the Top Gun jets, right? So those two of them, and they have twin engines on, on, their, on their wings, 21,000 pound thrust engines on their wings that give them the ability to, to exceed the speed of sound double. And so we're there and here they come. You see them, you don't hear them until they're there. And even when they're there, it starts rumbling. And I'll, I'll never forget it. They come in, they swoop in front of us, probably a couple hundred yards away. And then they just begin to go straight up in the air. And as they ascend up into the air, hundreds and hundreds of feet above, they twirled like that. And I'm telling you, the ground shook like I thought, I, and we were probably 50 feet up there. I thought, our, I thought the tower was just going to fall over. And all I could do was go, 
It's the most, what else do you do? I mean, my eyeballs were ready to pop out of my head. My brains were ready to explode. I mean, I've never experienced anything like that. But comparing that to what Israel sees on this mountain would have been as if I, I, I made a paper airplane and lit a match and, and set the back of it on fire and threw it in my backyard. Comparing that to the Oppenheimer uh, explosion test module of the hydrogen bomb in Los Alamos. That was the difference of what, is, what Moses is seeing. Uh, Walter Kaiser, who's one of my favorite uh, Old Testament theologians, wrote a, wrote a commentary on Exodus, which is masterful. And he says, the, front, the flat part of the mountain in front of Horeb formed a natural amphitheater-like appearance. And Israel is about to watch God come on the stage. Mount Sinai was completely enveloped in smoke because the Lord came down on it in fire. Its smoke went up like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain shook violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in the thunder. Christian thinkers describe God's characteristics, which are many, and place them in two categories. One would be uh, God's transcendence, and the other would be God's eminence. Do you okay if I preach a little bit? Uh, God's transcendence would be described in, in, in all over the, the Bible, but uh, Isaiah 66, the Lord says, heaven is my throne and the earth is the place where I put my foot. What kind of house can you build for me? The transcendence of God just means that God is beyond space. He's beyond time. He's beyond grasp. He's beyond man's ability to fathom. But then eminence is God's closeness, God revealing, God near, God comprehensible, if you can even say such a thing. And what is happening here is both. This is what they call a theophany. A theophany, theoph theophany, theos means God and, and the form of phanero, the fanny part of theophany would mean a light showing something that exists that you didn't know without the light. A theophany is God revealing about who he is that we'd never know or see unless God did it. That's a theophany and that's what's happening here. God is showing us his transcendence his otherness and his eminence together. And it's as if God is reducing himself. Because listen, if God is bigger than all the galaxies and spoke them into being, coming down on a mountain, uh, to say the least, it's going to shake violently. Do you see what's going on here? Why is he doing this? We're going to get there in a minute. God reducing does not mean, though, that he is reducing his deity or his holiness or his attributes. But he's morphing, if you will, in such a way to reveal to mankind something that mankind can get, can comprehend. If not, we would never be able to. The church needs to grasp and continue to grasp both the transcendence of God and the imminence of God. Both. Not one. Both. Both. Because 
in his transcendence. The galaxies are more numerous than we can count. And the galaxies, they just put a new satellite, what, a million miles in space? And it's bringing back pictures of the galaxy that they actually think they'll be able to capture a picture of when time began. They may, they may eventually take the picture of when God said, let there be light. My goodness. I think I'll go, woo! <laughs> Listen, though. The, va the vast infernos of stars in the galaxies compared to our sun, which is 93 million miles away, makes our sun like a flashlight. Transcendence of God who spoke them into being. And Jesus holds them all together by the word of his power. The Bible says that our God is a consuming fire. But this same God, the sparrows know they can lay their young at his altar. That's imminence. This same God knows the death of every sparrow. Sparrow! This same God carries his people on eagle's wings and runs to the repentant prodigal and embraces him and has a feast. That's who we're talking about. That's who I want to talk about. I don't want to dumb him down and try to fit him in a little compartment of 30 minutes of what? In a land when people at Harvard don't even know who the founding fathers were? When the average Joe on the street can't tell you one of the Bill of Rights or explain what the Constitution means, let alone know what Exodus is? I cannot give you a little compartmentalized 30-minute zip-zap. I won't do it. He deserves better. The mountain shakes. Yet he wrapped himself in swaddling clothes in a manger the size smaller than my three-month-old grandson, Silas Quinn. And the Jewish nation today stands alone in saying the God of creation has appeared to our fathers. The Lord directed Moses, go down and warn the people not to break through to see the Lord, otherwise many of them will die. Even the priests, listen, who come near the Lord must purify themselves or the Lord will break out in anger against them. But Moses responded to the Lord, the people cannot come up Mount Sinai since you warned us. Put a boundary around the mountain and consider it. Oh Moses, you're just getting started into pastoring. Moses is actually thinking, I'll tell the people what to do and they'll listen. <laughs> And God said, no, 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 no. Moses said, I told him, we, we got the manual, we got the rule, we had our meeting, we, we got it set. And God's like, no, 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 no. They're going to peek. They're going to look. Do you know, do you know within 40 days of this thing that they see, where they all see it and they shake and they all say they'll serve Yahweh to the day they die? Within 40 days when Moses is on the mountain, you know what they do? They make a golden calf stripped down naked and have an orgy and say, this is the God to a calf, a golden calf. This is the God that took us out of Egypt. Don't you tell me they get it with a manual and neither do we. 
Because nothing on the outside can change a person. Only the God coming on the inside can change us into becoming word keepers, not just word knowers. Warn them. These appearances are not circus acts. They're not to be looked at flippantly, but boy, do we need to return and look at them. No one can survive approaching God then or now outside of God's means of path. What do you mean that Jesus is only, only one way? Have you read about the Passover judgment? Hey, what God is saying to a, a, a world of today is this, let's check this out and take a peek at the man upstairs, doesn't fly. The good Lord you better take another look. This revelation is a reminder of man's status compared to the greatness of God. Modern man and his philosophies and man-made religions, man-made religions, hold man in high esteem and constantly evolving to deeper levels of wisdom and knowledge. And so how dare we hold a standard that says God will judge unless you come his way. Because God loves everybody. He does. God loves, but we're separated. God loves, but we're sinners. God loves, but we're in rebellion to his will. God loves, but we want to run our own show. God is God and we're but dust in comparison. The I am isn't me or a preacher or the mega church pastor that's rocking and rolling across the country. The I am isn't you. The I am isn't a king or a queen. The I am is not the rich, not the celebrity, not the Wall Street wolf or wolves. The I am is not the one who can fill up a coliseum in five minutes time on the internet. They're not the I am. The rich who can buy guns and tanks and countries with their silver or gold is not the I am. It's not the king of a drug cartel that can bribe congressmen. It's this one. Holy God who spoke the cosmos, rescued Jacob's sons from the tyrannical ruler, shaking Pharaoh's soul to its core, who the prophet said when he reveals himself, he will, listen, he, this is a, a, he will loose the loins of kings. Do you know what that means? It means when he reveals himself, even the mighty will have to be wearing depends or they're going to be in trouble. <laughs> That's the Hebrew, loose the loins of kings is the, is, the, is the cultural King James language to say they're going to themselves. That's what it means. There's going to be no tough folk when God comes down. He's going to make the earthquake. And what we see from this is the Lord hasn't given any preacher, church, or movement permission to tweak him. All the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoked, surrounded by smoke. And listen, and when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Here's what they said. You speak to us, and we will listen, they said to Moses. But don't let God speak to us, or we'll die. Yeah. 
Again, not wanting to go out of here going, I'm scared for God's being. That's not, we are in a parenthesis here. We're, we're going to, this is not the, this, just don't, just don't jump out of here and go, yeah, but the lowly Jesus and he loves us all. Yes, we're going to go there. And yes, that's true. Same God. But we need to visit this parenthesis. We need to visit it. You, you with me? Moses responded to the people, don't be afraid for God. Here's why God's revealing himself like this. For God has come to test you. This word doesn't mean that God doesn't know what's in you. This means God wants you to know what's in you. When Jesus said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread for all these people to eat? He said it to test them because he already knew what he was going to do. And Philip says immediately, I'm a calculator. The test means God's going to show you, you know, you're a calculator guy. I'm going to blow your mind with what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you that I go past the figures and the calculators. Testing you to show you what's in you. So you see it. He wanted Israel to see who he was and reveal to them who they were so that they would ready, not they would fear him and not sin. Stay with me that if you don't know what that means, you can go all in 50,000 directions and start a movement where you just have a bunch of crazy people that are scared to death of God. That's not what this is saying but we need to visit it anyway. That's why I'm doing two parts. And the people remained standing at a distance as Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Can you imagine Moses seeing all that, hearing all that, the ground shaking? And God says, this is, this is, I mean, you wouldn't blame the cowardly lion for running and diving out the window, right? <laughs> Moses, come up here. I want to talk to you. And he walked into that cloud. Yay, yay, yay. When we say, Lord, let your cloud of glory come, which one? <laughs> when the cloud surrounded Peter, James, and John that were tight with Jesus of Nazareth, and that cloud came down, they fell as dead men on the ground. And only Jesus could come over and touch them and say, don't be afraid. It's me, just me, it's just me. But we can jump into the just me. Let's let the Lord tell us to stand up and skip and hop. Let's not skip and hop when he's wanting us to go, wait a second. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like know why you're shooting off the fireworks on 4th of July. Somebody died for that. Memorial Day. Somebody died for that. But we're in a narrowing of the funnel where God is taking Israel out of all the nations. He's taking them to school. He's declared and decided that this nation would be the one which his entire plan of redemption will be revealed and unfold. That was the plan, but they fail at it as we know. But we're at the beginning stage. They fail at it, but one doesn't fail because God knew from the beginning when he talked to Abraham, it will come through a one. And one that came from that line of Israel, the one, reversed the, all the curse, all of it, to open up the funnel to all the nations of the world because God so loves the world. So we're at that moment that you will not sin. The, the word is hata, hata. You want to say it right? It's hata. <laughs> You go to the restaurant today and say, what do you like to say? I'll put some hata. <laughs> it means missing the mark. 
Now, missing the mark, God is saying, I want, I, I want, to, I want to sober you up on this thing because I want your whole, I want this whole nation, I want you to stay within the guardrails. I want to bless all the world, but it's going to be dependent on you staying within this purpose, this plan. This is a narrow funnel way, and I'm going to select you, teach you, and I want to make sure you get this. I want you to be fearful. I want you to have a reverence and an awe about this because this is an important thing. It's the same reason why he shook Egypt. He didn't want to shake Egypt. But Egypt was in the way of God blessing the world. Like a steward who is given a job by a rich father, a man of great wealth, to assure that the young son stays on the course so that he can reach a place that his father has an intended destiny of inheritance to be given to him. That's what Israel's job was. Stay in this lane. I'm going to teach you. And that's love. He revealed himself to make them stand in awe, shake in awe. He loved them and didn't want them to deviate. Next week we'll see of the, of the, of the code of laws that he gave them. And they're all love. They're all love. There's a revelation of his power and his holiness. This is a parenthesis in the school of the law that will reveal, listen, this time for Israel will reveal their need for a righteousness that they do not possess even after what Satan said. Brooke, it was interesting that you brought this up. Satan lied and said, by knowledge, you'll be like God. By the knowing of good and evil, you'll be like God. And so God proves the devil's lie. I'll give you the best knowledge of right and wrong that's ever been given to mankind. I will give you 10 commandments. I'll reveal my ways and I'll show you that even though you know it, you won't be it. You're going to need a righteousness apart from the law. You're going to need a righteousness that doesn't come from you of which the law will teach you. Like the steward taking the son and strictly making sure they stay on the highway to bring them to the one, Abraham's descendant. He who knew no sin, born under the law, born of a woman, died carrying the curse of all nations, including the one under God, to pay the price so God could open the gift of the fountain of life to whosoever will. That's where we are in this. Some will walk in faith in it, many will not. But God knew that from the beginning. Just as he knew from the beginning that one out of the 12 would betray him. And another who, like Israel at the foot of the mountain when, G when God revealed his glory, said it with all his heart, though everyone else turned from you, I won't. And Jesus says, Simon, <laughs> you, you don't know what you're made of. And you don't know what you're not made of. 
but I've prayed for you that your faith fail not and when you're converted you go about in a ministry of strengthening your brothers that's what this is all about these close encounters of the God kind bring us all in every generation now we could say boy I wish I could see a fiery uh, burning bush and I wish I could have these things. We already see later, if you read it, if you read it later, they saw it 40 days out. They were doing the electric slide. <laughs> Wanting to go back to Egypt. Nothing new under the sun. So let's go to the, last, the next slide and we'll close with this slide. Here's what I pray that we take from this as we get ready to do communion together today. I pray that, I pray that we would carry out of here and into the week these things. Behold the power and majesty of our God. The power and majesty of our God. Behold mankind in contrast to God's revelation of himself. If we get too big in our britches, we've lost sight of the majesty of God. When the apostle John bows down to the angel that shows him the marriage supper of the lamb, he begins to worship the angel and the angel says, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, I'm just a fellow, sir. We're Worship Jesus. All of heaven knows that. He comes out of the heart of Yahweh. Even, even multitudes of angels beyond number worship the Lamb. The, the, those who were anybody and anybody put their crowns at his feet. And the church must do the same. Behold mankind in contrast to God's revelation of himself. Behold the mercy. And, and in light of that, this, this enhances mercy. This puts mercy in its rightful place when you see the majesty and the glory and the power and then you realize that he's the one that after we do our dumb thing and after we say this thing, we don't even know what we're talking about. And as Peter did, I know, I got an idea. Three, temp three tents on the mountain with you, Jesus, Elijah. And whoa. You don't even know what you're saying. We don't, we've been there. I've been, I, I, I got a shirt, T-shirt. I've been in the dumb club. I've got that. And in spite of that, this merciful love of God toward us, nevertheless. And finally, behold, this is not the final advent. Do you know how Paul describes now in, con in context connecting Sinai? Do you know how Paul describes the coming of the Lord? Listen, sounds just like Sinai. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God this time the dead in Christ will rise and we who are alive and remain will be caught up with them in the clouds this is the glory clouds this is just not clouds this is that this is that smoke to meet the Lord in the air. And then we shall forever be with the Lord. On the night of which he was betrayed. This 
one that was going to be crucified by the one nation under God of which everything he instructed pointed to this one. You know why they couldn't take it? Because they had such a stamp of the glory of Sinai with such a fear of creating an idol of anything for this young 30-something peasant preacher to say before Abraham lived I am and we can just Sunday school our way going well I would have seen it and then at the table with the with the he says this this will no longer be a memorial to the Passover of Egypt. This is my blood that will emancipate you from the sins of your life. We ate the lamb, but this is my body broken for you. And then Paul later says, we do this, as long as we do this, two things, we revere it. If, if, we're not, if we're not in priestly garments, if we're not in the blood and under the Passover of Christ, we shouldn't just flippantly take this. Examining ourselves, are we priests peaking? Are we common, have we made a commonality? Or... And open to all, do we come understanding? It was for our transgressions that he was crushed. It was for my dark depravities of own iniquities, my dark depravities, he was bruised. Not so I cower back and go, I'm not worried. He's, he, his bruises is the welcoming call. And by his wounds, before we were born, the funnel says, before you know it, you are healed. You are healed. Go far and wide. Go into all the world. Go and preach the good news to all creation. A new covenant I make with you. Not like the covenant I made in Egypt. I will be merciful to your iniquities and remember your sins no more. That's who we are. We are a kingdom of priests unto God. He has made us that and he's washed us from our sins in his own blood and made us a kingdom of priests to represent him on the earth. As my professor who taught me about the funnel looked out, 45 years had been in North India preaching to monks and priests and seeing people converted that didn't even know about the God of Israel or Jesus until they brought it and saw them converted by the power of the Holy Spirit. She'd say, oh brothers, when you go preach, preach about a majestic Christ. That's what I'm trying to do in a very poor way. How do you describe it? We can't. But the same God says 
to anybody who's sent, anybody who preaches on the job or in the pulpit, I will be with you. Part one, fire on the mountain. One nation under God. Would you stand please? We have our band come. Let's take our communion emblems and let's open up the, one, the side that has the, the, the small cracker in it. He took bread. He took bread. And he broke the bread. He broke the bread. But you know the Passover lamb? They were to eat the whole thing. They were to eat the whole body of the lamb. Leave none of it left. All of it to be roasted in fire. Not boiled in water. Roasted in fire. Jesus was going to go through uh, hell on earth, if you will. Psalm 22 describes it. But it also, the prophet also said not one bone of his body would be broken. Just like in the Passover in Egypt, God told them, do not break the bone of the lamb. Do not break the bone of the lamb. When they came to Jesus, they broke the legs of the other men, and they found he was already dead. They did not break his bones to fulfill the promise of the prophets. So what is broken is his body spiritually, his brokenness, wounded for us, brings our healing. We do not have to pay for our brokenness. The payment has been made. When they were inside that house in Egypt the night of the death of the firstborn, they could have had all kinds of crazy emotions going on on the inside of them. But God said, I'm not listening for your emotions. I'm not listening for your prayers. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This is my body broken for you. How many yous do we have in the room? You. This is for you. This is for you. You're at Mount Zion right now. Not Mount Sinai. You're at Mount Zion where the lamb is. And you take this by faith and let's believe for the grace that's released out of the funnel of the finished work will be yours and your household and your future and our church in Jesus' name, let's take it. And then he took the cup. What, it, what Israel would be taught over centuries in the wilderness and in the land of promise, of which they lived as prisoners most of the time, was that the shedding of the blood of bulls and goats would never be able to take away sin. But it would cover them for a year. Cover them. But the, but the ongoing practice of this was a reminder. God intended, remind them that this would not take away sin. When, <clears throat> when Jesus comes down into the water, and we're going to preach on this in two weeks, Lord willing into the murky waters of the Jordan to identify with the sinners who are confessing their sin. John looks at him and says, the Lamb of God, not who will cover your sin, but take it away. It literally means to take it and put it on the Lamb's shoulders and send that Lamb out into the wilderness to never, never return back to your, to your feet.
he will Jesus said this is my blood for the forgiveness the remission the sending away and lifting off of you all your sin do in remembrance of me you know what I hate my sin I hate my sin and at different times in my life I've hated my sin so much that I've hated me self-hate will not pay for your sin self-hate does not impress the Lord that's why I encourage many of us who bow low to lift up your head because David says happy is the man that the Lord will not count his transgression against him how many of you are thankful for that that's how we drink this this in thanksgiving to you O Lord in thanksgiving we examine today that we truly know apart from your blood we're dead men in Egypt apart from your blood we cannot pay you apart from your blood we owe an amount that will never we could never pay it if we took 10 lifetimes but the good news is you paid a price that I might be free forgiven and I can know every day that my father chooses to forget my sin not because of me not because of what I can work up or how sorry I can act I want to be sorry because your grace works it in me not to just prove something Lord I will receive the love that you have for me and I will bury self judgment self-hate self-analysis in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea where it belongs and I will come out with my head lifted high exalting you who is high and lifted up I drink this cup to once again say because of your blood I am a son emancipated forgiven with a purpose and a calling and ascending to those who need to hear this message may we all do the same in Jesus name let's drink and after they did that it says they went out singing a song let's do the same God bless you he who the sun sets free is what? Free. Amen.